Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie East, and this, this is the Sunday Seven. In today's episode, Artemis One finally takes to the sky the secrets of eternal youth, and scientists discover rodents have rhythm and a taste for Lady Gaga. But first, it was on this day in 1986 that the World Health Organization announces the first global effort to combat AIDS. At this year's COP27, leaders from across the globe have gathered in Egypt to decide urgent climate targets for next year. Presidents, prime ministers and delegates from all parts of the world have been represented on stage, but among the biggest draws at the summit is a world leader who doesn't take office until January. On Wednesday at the conference's Biodiversity Day, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, president-elect of Brazil, drew a huge crowd. On his first international trip since winning the election, he stressed that his country would put up a strong fight against illegal deforestation in the Amazon. Dear brothers and sisters, there's no climate security for the world without a protected Amazon. We will do whatever it takes to have zero deforestation and the degradation of our biomes till 2030 in the same way that more than 130 countries committed themselves while they signed the leadership declaration in Glasgow on forests. Under outgoing President Bolsonaro, deforestation rates in the Amazon soared to record highs. At least some parts of it have stopped capturing greenhouse gases and have now become contributors to global warming, according to scientific research. Combats to fight uh, climate change will have the highest profile in the structure of my next government. In his speech at COP27, Lula's now vowed to reverse that. He confirmed that Germany and Norway will reopen the financial resources of the Amazon Fund and called for 2025's COP30 to be held in the Amazon rainforest. The message from Lula is clear. Brazil is back as a champion of climate. We'll see just how successful he's going to be over the coming months. On Tuesday, somewhere in the world, the global population hit an all-time high. There are now 8 billion humans who call this floating rock home. The world's population's doubled in less than 50 years and is set to keep on rising. Back in 1800, the human population hit its first billion, and it took over a century for that to double. But things really took off in the 20th century. The global population hit a whopping 3 billion in 1960, and we've put on nearly a billion each decade after that. It hit 7 billion in 2011, and now we've just reached 8. So what about the future? Well, the UN projects there'll be 9 billion people by around 2037, and 10 billion by 2058. Demographers predict global population could peak at around 10.4 billion in the 2080s and plateau before declining in the next century. 
The majority of this growth is concentrated in just eight countries. Half of those countries are in sub-Saharan Africa, and the total population of this entire region is set to double to 2 billion by 2050. But how can we be so sure today that we know what the population is going to look like in 2050, or even 2100? Well, John Wilmoth is the head of UN's population division and spoke with Australia's ABC News. Demographic projections are highly accurate, and it has to do with the fact that most of the people who will be alive in 30 years have already been born. And so, you know, it's not so challenging to make the projection 30 years down the road, even 40 years down the road. But when you start getting 70, 80 years down the road, like toward the end of the century, there's much more uncertainty. One of the big successes of the 20th century was decreasing mortality and seeing life expectancy go up as well. Is that going to continue as our populations grow? Well, that's the expectation that we will see uh, life expectancy continue to go up. Um, So, I mean, in many cases, this is... Uh, countries that will be uh, achieving levels of life expectancy that have already been achieved by other countries. So we we know it's possible. Uh, You know, there's uncertainty for those at the very top, like, you know, Japan that has life expectancy above 80 and uh, uh, whether that can continue going up, that may be a question. But for the rest of the world, there's certainly the possibility of raising levels uh, of life expectancy quite a bit. So what are the big challenges that come along with this population growth? What are the dangers we need to be looking out for? The growth is slowing down. In some sense, it's a problem that's being solved. You know, if, if it's a problem, it's a problem that's being solved. Uh, the thing that's new and that's going to be permanent is is aging. You know, the, 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 uh, the older population, this is this, we will not go back on this. The, you know, one consequence of the demographic transition, longer lives and smaller families, it means that the population is going to be much older. You'll have fewer children and more older people, uh, and, and the whole distribution will be shifted to higher ages. If you want to think about you know, the future demographic challenges, I think uh, population aging is probably number one. Sooner or later, we expect an aging population basically everywhere on Earth. Experts say cities will need to adapt and the cost of care will strain our fiscal systems. As temperatures rise and populations grow, the future of the Earth will bring its own unique set of challenges. Still to come on the Sunday 7, Artemis heads to the moon and bionic legs are helping stroke patients. Move over, Iron Man. Researchers in the south of England have created bionic legs that are helping stroke patients walk again. When combined with traditional physiotherapy, researchers are seeing significant improvement in how fast stroke patients are regaining their mobility. In a study, after 10 weeks with a strap-on bionic leg at home, 34 stroke patients with walking difficulty could walk further faster. It's been shown that robotic devices um, alongside physiotherapy have helped in terms of individuals with stroke and their walking. So both of them combined together has a greater effect than just physiotherapy. We were trying to see if a robotic device but used at home with physiotherapy would have a greater effect than robotics used within hospitals and clinics. That was Amy Wright, one of the research collaborators. Patients were given a strap-on robotic leg from the bionic company Alter-G and instructed to use it for a certain amount of time. They were assessed using a digital 3D camera system before and after the trial to identify any improvements. One specific example, we had a gentleman come in who was in his wheelchair. He would be able to stand maybe with one other person next to him, but not very confident at all in terms of taking steps. 
By the end of the 10-week programme, he was able to walk around his home without a stick and no one around. Around 1.9 million nerve cells in the brain are lost every minute that a stroke is left untreated, which can result in slurred speech and paralysis. Wright says roughly 75% of stroke survivors will suffer mobility issues afterwards. You know, robotic devices are very expensive, but we are seeing these sorts of devices come down in, in cost and in price. But I think it's really important to remember that these are devices that we can potentially send home with people, that they can use every single day, instead of having to visit a hospital or travel in maybe once a week. And here we go. Ten. Hydrogen burnoff igniters initiated. Seven. Six. Fifty years after humans first left footsteps on the moon, NASA's finally launched its new moon rocket, one. Artemis Boosters One. Ignition. And liftoff of Artemis One. We rise together back to the moon and beyond. The unmanned mission launched from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida on Wednesday morning, sending the Orion spacecraft around the moon and back. It's the most powerful spaceship ever built, and despite its numerous setbacks, NASA hopes the Artemis project and Orion could see manned expeditions to the moon resume as early as next year. It's been almost half a century since the last time a man walked on the moon, and for the first time, the launch director was a woman. Here's Charlie Blackwell-Thompson. We are all part of something incredibly special, the first launch of Artemis. The first step in returning our country to the moon and on to Mars. Orion's journey to the moon will take around a week. It'll orbit several times, coming as close as 60 miles to the surface and as far away as 40,000, further into deep space than any other craft built to take humans. Roughly two weeks later, Orion will head home, barreling into the atmosphere at almost 25,000 miles an hour and splashing down on the coast of California on December the 11th. Orion's carrying three test dummies covered in sensors that measure G-forces, vibration and cosmic radiation to confirm that the ride's going to be safe for humans. It's costing $93 billion, but scientists say it is worth it. This is Libby Jackson, head of space exploration at the UK Space Agency, speaking to Sky News. So much to learn from the moon in terms of science. Um, it is a unique record of the solar system. So it tells us about how the Earth evolved, how it will evolve in the future. And by sending humans there to, to collect rocks, to do the geology, we will find exciting things. The mission hopes to eventually land the first woman and first person of colour on the moon. Thankfully, it's not just technology that's changed since the Apollo mission half a century ago. Still to come on the Sunday 7, musical musing and scientists discover how to reverse ageing biologically. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso. Or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places.
comes to getting a boogie on, turns out Megan Trainer was right all along. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. Scientists have found that very low frequency bass, inaudible to human ears, makes people dance more. The research took place at Canada's Macasta University inside a specially designed research centre called Live Lab that replicates a real concert venue. Here's the lab director, Laurel Trainer. Sadly, no relation. I wanted to not only understand how music affected an individual person, but we wanted to understand the power of music in human interaction. In the specially rigged theatre, the team used motion tracking headbands to monitor audience members during a dance set by techno duo Orfs. We have 26 cameras. We can put little reflective markers on people's uh, bodies and the cameras emit infrared light. And from that, we can recreate three-dimensional models of how everyone is moving. Not only with the musicians on the stage, but we can do it with the whole audience. So how do people move in response to music and how are you affected by other people? In the experiment, audience members were equipped with motion tracking headbands and monitored during the live event. Every two and a half minutes, speakers played very low frequencies in the range 8 to 37 hertz, lower than anything your ears can actually pick up. The motion trackers revealed people tended to move 12% more when these low bass frequencies were added to the music. The researchers speculate that while the sounds are inaudible, vibrations are felt in the body and that physical processes are involved in a neurological connection between music and movement. Music has impressive effects on us, but it's not just humans. A recent study also revealed that rats bop to the beat of music just like us, according to new research from the University of Tokyo. Until now, beat synchronicity, the ability to recognise a song's rhythm, was thought uniquely human. Rats were played a variety of music, including tunes from Lady Gaga, Queen and Mozart. The results show the rats moving their heads in time with the music and, just like their human counterparts, the optimal beat was around 120 BPM. This suggests a rat's auditory cortex works in ways similar to ours. Researchers hope this will help understand why humans, and rats I guess, enjoy listening to music. Rah-rah, ooh-la-la indeed. want to be young forever. Well, throughout history, alchemists and adventurers have sought the fabled elixir of life and promises of eternal youth. In ancient China, it was believed that ingesting jade and gold could confer the minerals' longevity on the person who consumed them. In mythology, the highly prized alchemical material known as Philosopher's Stone was thought to grant eternal life. Now, scientists at Harvard think they've cracked the code. Harvard scientist David Sinclair has spent the last 20 years working to defy ageing. How many times have you heard, if you're over the age of 40, well, you're getting sick, you're you're getting this pain, your eyesight's degrading, don't worry, that's just normal ageing. I really don't agree with that approach. He believes the root cause of ageing and health decline stems from damage to the so-called epigenome, the part of our cells that turns genes on or off. Here he is explaining to NBC medical fellow Ashkay Sayal. Our bodies have 
two different types of information. We all know about the DNA. Now there's another type of information that most people don't know about. It's called the epigenome, and it's the reader of the DNA. Like if you have a compact disc, it's like scratches on the compact disc so you can't read the music. As we get older, we lose the ability to read our DNA correctly. We had this breakthrough a couple of years ago, and so we found that there was a, a way to get the scratches off and reverse the age of cells. In his study, Sinclair restored optic nerve cells and sight in mice with vision loss from both ageing and a condition that simulated glaucoma. The way we did that in the mice, and we cured blindness with them, was to turn on three genes that's not, that are normally on in embryos. And when we turn those three genes back on in the adult tissue, the, the mice regenerate and they get their vision back. And now, in what researchers are calling the first study of its kind, Sinclair and his team are able to age the mice and then make them younger again. In a video shared by Harvard, you can see two mice of the same age, but one is visibly older. Whilst one has hard, thick, healthy fur, the other is almost completely grey. How do they do it? Well, by literally breaking up the DNA, forcing the body to repair itself, which he says accelerated ageing. The mice actually do not just look old, but they literally are older by about 50%. They get grey hair, they get wrinkled skin, their organs are old. The groundbreaking technology builds on the 2012 Nobel Prize winning work of Japanese scientist Shinya Yamanka, who discovered how cells can be reprogrammed to be stem cells, which can then develop into cells of any type in the body. Using this method, Sinclair's team's also trying to study memory loss by turning skin cells into tiny brains. Although much more research is needed, Sinclair hopes that one day reversing ageing could be as simple as a pill from your doctor. Well, it's not just a vision, it's going to happen. It's like asking the Wright brothers, are we going to fly? Well, of course we are. It's just a question of when. The first wild bison to be born in the UK for around 6,000 years is taking her first steps in woodland near Canterbury. As bison conceal their pregnancy to avoid being targeted by predators, the birth was an unexpected surprise for the park rangers. This is Donovan Wright, bison ranger, speaking with new scientists. We're very, very happy about the arrival of the calf and um, we, we kind of suspected uh, that the, uh, there was a calf on the way, but you've always got that question mark in, in the back of your mind, uh, just with the shape of the size of the animal and, and, the, and, the, and the fetus, it's really difficult to tell. But wow, it, it, was, it was a very, very pleasant surprise. The little female calf was born as part of the Wilder Bleen Project, a wilding initiative to help combat the climate and biodiversity crises. The project also helped a small herd settling in Kent in July of this year. This is natural regeneration at its best. <laughs> I mean, she's the first calf born in the UK from a free-roaming herd. It's absolutely incredible. But more importantly, she, she's, she's a foundation of this herd. I mean, she's going to grow up in the bling. She's going to learn where all the best feeding points are. She's going to know where the best dust bathing sites are. She's going to know where all the watering pans, the, 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 the water holes are. She's going to, um, and, and she's going to be, uh, hopefully, in, in future uh, um, years, she's going to be passing that knowledge down to, to future generations. It's uh, absolutely amazing. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris.